She walked along the lee. On the water, the reflections of streetlights shimmered like sinking lanterns, golden and red on the black, and beautiful. On the iron bridge across from the gutted brick, there was a figure on the parapet, standing still and staring down. Those lines are from the start of my second novel, The Blood Miracles. The setting is St. Vincent's Footbridge in the centre of Cork City. I'm standing here now on a sunny afternoon and I'm here to meet other writers who are working in the city today. You'll hear what they're writing about and how the city features in their work. So we're in the city centre now of Cork, but on the south city centre where you've got an awful lot of houses. It's interesting because we're so close to what you call town, where the pubs and the nightclubs and the shops are. And yet this is very residential and very quiet. And it always seemed to me very interesting to kind of think about what is actually going on behind the doors in this particular part of town, which is just a step away from where you'd be drinking and dancing with your buddies. It seems very quiet. It's a place for secrets, I think. The kind of Cork that I'm writing about in my trilogy is the kind that isn't necessarily spoken of. I mean, like, my, my own background wouldn't be from... I'm not from Celtic Tiger stock, we could put it like that. So the stories that kind of appeal to me are stories of, I guess, working-class life and suburbs and housing estates and people who are existing on the periphery of a society and not quite finding their way into it not quite understanding where they're supposed to be going or who they're supposed to be. I'm on Paul Street in Cork City Centre with two Corkonian debut novelists. Danny Denton's book, The Early King and the Kid in Yellow, takes us to a dystopian future in a drowned Ireland populated by gangsters, urchins and mad folk heroes and tells us a story of love, loss, and, appropriately for the city we're in today, rebellion. Cathan Leahy's novel for young adults, Tuesdays Are Just As Bad, is set in today's Cork. It's the story of a troubled teenager, Adam, who has survived a suicide attempt and is rebuilding his life with the help of some new friends. Cathan, you're going to read a piece that describes exactly where we are. Having accomplished his one task in town, he decided to walk in the vague direction of home, which is how we ended up in a brick paved area next to a shopping centre where I was amazed to see happy teenagers. And not just a few, there were loads. They stood under the tree which seemingly grew through the pavement in the centre. They sat against walls and under the tree using their mobile phones to play music. They drank tea on rickety seats outside cafes. They wore weird clothes and hats covered hair of unnatural shapes and colours. They had piercings and sunglasses, even though it was closer to winter than summer, and laughter and everything. Whatever this place was, it was a brave new world for us to explore. And naturally, since he was a big baby, Adam decided he wasn't doing this anymore. So, Cathan, that was Paul Street. And the Paul Street in the extract that you read is very much like Cork City in the rest of your novel, which kind of appears as a very open, friendly city where people like Adam, who's alienated from his classmates, have the opportunity to find the right scene or the right crowd for them. Is that the city you're familiar with? Oh yes, uh, definitely. So I always think cities always have kind of two layers where you have like where everyone sees and then of the places where only teenagers hang. They serve like outside Littles, on Paul Street, opera houses. These are all places that just get turned into like 
havens for teenagers with absolutely no input from the places themselves. And I like that in a way that you have these, kind, not an underground, but you just have two things coexiding. So I just wanted in the book to capture again because he's coming from like an isolated area uh, mentally. So I wanted to show that Cork was the kind of place that even if you went wandering around, you'd eventually find your kind of people, your kind of group. Danny? Uh, what's really interesting to me is that I'm from Passage West, which is uh, about six miles out of the city. We used to be afraid of the kids hanging around the Tesco uh, in town. But the exact same thing was going on in Passage because we used to all hang around the derelict school or the half-built house. And there is definitely something there about teenagers being attracted to these kind of non-places, these non-spaces where they're kind of not supposed to be or people don't naturally gather. So, Kathan, tell us more about Tuesdays are just as bad. Tuesdays are just as bad is about a teenager named Adam who uh, after a suicide attempt uh, wakes up to discover that he's being haunted by his own ghost and so it's about him going through the recovery process as narrated by this ghost who is new to this world and he doesn't understand it and so it's really just the question that they ask is really what would it be like if you're haunted by yourself? Danny your book isn't set in Cork. Why you just said it in Dublin? I'm going to give a Corkonian answer to that question and I'm going to say that I wrote a dystopian book and I don't think Cork could ever be a dystopian place. So, so it's a utopian novel, actually. The utopian non-novel. So Cork is the utopian place, not in my book. So Danny, even though it's not set in Cork, do you want to tell us a bit about it? The early king and the kid in yellow is set in a kind of an alternative Ireland in which it rains all the time and has always rained um, and within that world it's the recreation of a myth um, the myth of, the, of, of, a, of a 13 year old boy who kidnapped a baby your second novel is going to be set in Cork though it is yeah I lived away from Cork for about five years and missed it dearly and one of the things I really missed was the accents um, and so living in Catalonia uh, I found myself obsessed with Cork talk radio and that kind of weirdly inspired the next novel. That is very exciting to me because I really appreciate the whole capturing of the vernacular in fiction. <laughs> and the funny thing is I, ha- I hated Cork local radio like back in the day but just living away you kind of find yourself yearning for those accents and those local complaints like oh there's a sewage leak on the Cove Road um, you kind of want to f- frantically want to know that stuff for some reason. Oh yeah, well, to use the cliche, absence makes the heart go very weirdly fonder. <laughs> yeah. Kathan, your book is about teenage depression and bullying, but it's told with like such a light and witty and funny touch. When did this tone come to you for Adam's story? It's one of those things because the subject matter and the way, because it's narrated by the ghost, that it was a difficult tone to pin down just because the subject has to be written down seriously, but if I had done it without humour or the lighter touch, it would have been the most unbearable book anyone could ever read. It would just be wall-to-wall grimness. So I thought it was important. I also thought it was important just to show, you know, the complications in people's lives and their mental health that, you know, something can seem funny and also sad at the same time. No, it's, it's very effective. It kind of makes sense if you're going to talk about something that is so serious you really have to lighten up because life is like life is absurd as well and Adam is kind of very much dealing with an absurd thing. Danny what part of the city are your characters going to be exploring in your second novel? So the 
book will be physically set on the South Douglas Road uh, for the most part, which is just outside Cork City uh, in a car dealership there. But because the radio kind of, its voice is floating off the radio and across the page, uh, I'll hopefully cover like loads of the city through voice rather than physical setting. So Danny, maybe you can give us a flavour of the city as you have portrayed it in your second book. Yeah, sure. Uh, So the novel doesn't have a name yet, but here is a sequence, a short sequence, in which a caller to the radio praises a local shopping centre. I'll tell you where's a great place for a day out, Tony. Matten Point. Tis like a big spaceship landed in the middle of all the roads and roundabouts there, and it has every single shopping convenience you can imagine. And Tony, the beauty is that you don't even have to buy anything. You can cruise around the shops and look away to your heart's content watching the shoppers go by. Doesn't cost you a blind penny. Now, of course, you can get a coffee or a milkshake if you want, or even a glass of beer in one place, I believe. Tis a wonder what rain the way it is in our country that we don't turn the whole place into one big shopping centre. Sure, what else do we need? Everything under one roof like that? In fact, Tony, I'd go as far as to say that Matten Point is the peak of our work on God's earth. Pure retail therapy, boy. How long have you been working for them, Sam? Ha <laughs> I wish, boy. Sure, I haven't worked in 17 years. I'm really looking forward to that now, Danny. Well done. Kathan Leahy's Tuesdays Are Just As Bad is published by Mercier Press and Danny Denton's The Early King and The Kid in Yellow is published by Granta. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome to Fiction at the Friary. We're delighted to see you all here. As usual, it's myself, Madeleine Darcy, and my co-host, Danielle McLaughlin, who'll be running things today. There are many places in Cork City where emerging writers can showcase their work, and we are here at one today. We're at Fiction at the Friary. The Friary is a pub here in the North Mall. Fiction at the Friary was set up in 2017. It meets on the last Sunday every month, and Madeleine Darcy is one of the organisers, along with Danielle McLaughlin. Madeline, how important are spaces like this for local writers? I think they're incredibly important. And I suppose the other thing that Danielle and myself were thinking about was what we would have liked to have available to us when we started writing. And we were very conscious of the fact that um, writers are quite a shy and needy lot sometimes and they need encouragement and somewhere to get the confidence to read their own work and that's where I think the open mic is hugely important. We've had people who've come along here literally shaking and reading their work for the first time and these people have gone along to win prizes and they're really up and coming and we're so pleased to be a part of that and also some people have told me that they find it very good for their mental health to come here because it's fun and it's a way of thinking about things and they enjoy the readings. You're creating the next generation of Corkonian writers that's great and today's guest at Fiction at the Friary is Ty Coakley whose debut novel The First Sunday in September has just been published. Tyke Coakley has been a reader and hurler since childhood. He signed up for the MA in Creative Writing in UCC in September 2015 and wrote a number of linked short stories revolving around the day of the same All-Ireland final. And these stories grew into his debut novel, The First Sunday in September. I'm going to read from a story called Her Mother Evelyn. 
And I'll start from the beginning. Just going to read. Her mother, Evelyn. The birthdays are the worst. I tend to walk through them in a daze. Mind you, Roisin, it's a daze for which I'm glad and not the type of days I suffered from when I was taking all that medication. I hated the foggy feeling that stuff used to give me. For your birthdays on the 15th of May, although of course it's not just your birthday, is it? I spend a lot of time in the back garden, even if it's raining. There's always something to do that time of year, thank God. I bring the small radio with me to distract myself. I couldn't go out in case I'd meet somebody. Tim tends to rise early and go straight into work and come home late after one of his meetings. It's better if we're not around each other on those days. We'd probably tear strips off each other. Or I'd tear strips off him. He was never any good at fighting with me. He was never any good at hating. Even in his hurling heydays when he'd knocked the block off some lad from Tip or Kilkenny, he was never personal. But I can hate. Oh yes, I can hate very well indeed. That was Ty Coakley reading the opening lines of her mother Evelyn from his novel In Stories, the first Sunday in September. Ty, the lives of the characters in the novel are connected by hurling. And I was just wondering, seeing how dominant sport is in Irish life, in our personal lives, our culture, in our economy, is it strange we don't see more of it in fiction? It is strange, Lisa, and it's something I've never understood. There's actually a lot of poetry about sport and a lot of drama about sport and there's a lot of fiction about sport in other countries but not in Ireland and John McGahan was asked once why this is the case and he said he thought that hurling sport generally is an artificial universe and literature is also an artificial universe so there's too many barriers between them but I actually see sport as a type of storytelling in itself and I think it's very suited for fiction. And that's why I actually wrote this book. It seems like a very natural thing to do because of the drama, because of the big personalities, because of the way that we recount what we might have seen in the match, then we're talking about it afterwards and we're making up our own narrative about it. And if you think of every match as a story in itself, there's the build-up to it, the tension beforehand, then there's the drama in the match itself, the tension there, the excitement building to a climax. And then afterwards you have the kind of perspective of the game, what happened, for example... In Limerick, on the 19th of August, they won the first All-Ireland Championship for 45 years. So it's only now that they're processing that win, that they're looking at the perspective of, of, of it. And, and there will be a fallout from that game for many years to come. So the other thing about the first Sunday in September is that there's proper Carconian slang in this. And I love that because I think slang really connects us to place. And I don't think you can write about Cork without it, really. Was it important to you to reflect the vernacular or was it just a natural aspect of your character's voices? It's very important and, and you're right, it is really all about voice. So, you know, we have expressions. There's one story in the book called The Pure Dot, for example, and this is a, just a cork way of saying is a very lovely person. And it's a balancing act at the same time because if you put in too much slang, if you overdo it, it feels strained. But on the other hand, if you don't do it, it doesn't feel authentic and it's not reflecting the location, the cork, or the kind of person who's actually speaking. So it's all about the voice, really. My favourite, my own favourite Corkonian expression is an insult. So I don't know if you're, if you're going to like this type, but it's basically, if that lad had two brains, he'd be twice as stupid. That's brilliant. And this is the other thing about slang. And generally, the way we speak colloquialisms and cork is they're very funny. 
and people will cut you down by saying something and if you don't know what they're actually saying you might think oh this is great altogether but it's not and the people who know will know and that's it you're you're in bits. Madeline we're hearing a lot from writers in this show about how Cork is represented in their own work do you think there's other aspects of Cork life that hasn't been touched on yet in fiction or that needs to be teased out? You know, every writer writes from his or her own perspective, their own understanding of life in Cork. I think there are probably many more voices that we're going to hear from. Danielle and myself really, really hope that we'll be engaging with a variety of new, younger authors and people on direct provision that we're trying to encourage to come here and people from different nationalities and who live here now. So I'm expecting a variety of new ways of writing about Cork and hopefully new forms of slang that will <laughs> emerge as well. Ty Coakley's The First Sunday in September is published by Mercier and you can find details of Fiction at the Friary on their Facebook page or at Fiction Friary on Twitter. My final guests this evening are two writers who are also living and working in the city. Ema Ryan's short stories have appeared in journals and anthologies in Ireland and the UK, and she's also the co-editor of the literary journal Banshee. Ema, you're like me, you're a blow-in. Uh, you're actually from Tip. I'm assuming you have a love for Cork City. What's it like being a writer here? It's really great. I think I would have always thought of Cork as uh, a city of poets, you know. And even if you go down North Main Street, you see that big mural with all the, the poets on it, you know. And I kind of when I first arrived here, I thought maybe there weren't so many prose writers around. But I think in the last couple of years, there's been a kind of a great kind of building up of different little prose writing communities. Like I think Fiction at the Friary is one of them. The Cork Short Story Festival, of course, every year in September, it brings a load of short story writers in. And um, the MA and UCC as well has kind of really been like a shot in the arm for for prose writing in, in Cork so I think those communities are really important. Yeah I saw the mural there myself on the way over here today and was thinking yeah there is definitely room for a couple of us up there I think. Yeah absolutely. Danielle McLaughlin writes short stories and is also one of the people behind fiction at the Friary but she's about to start work as writer in residence at UCC University College Cork. Danielle is that where you went to college? It is Although I went to UCC as an evening student, so it's going to be a new experience for me to have a whole year on campus during the day and also uh, part of the time in the evenings as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, UCC is such like, I guess, an amazing presence or a very kind of important presence in city life, but definitely for literature, for art. So it must be great to feel that you're going to be such an important part of that. I think it's going to be an opportunity maybe to work on a couple of projects that I've had in my head for a while. I'm a graduate of law as well as English from UCC and I'm interested in the intersections between law and literature. And I've been putting together an anthology called Counterparts. It's an anthology of writing by writers who are also lawyers and it's going to be published by Stinging Fly Press in November with proceeds going to Peter McVeary Trust. So I'm hoping that I'll have a chance to explore some of those intersections between law and literature and what they have in common and maybe what one can learn from the other during my year at UCC. That's one of the projects I'm planning on working on. I remember you saying something like this before um, about how 
there is, you know, and people might think there's a huge gap between law and creative writing. But I remember you saying before that it's the precision of language that you learn in law that you can then apply to fiction. I found that really interesting. Yeah, I think it's about learning to interrogate words and to interrogate sentences and to be aware that there may be more than one meaning and to be aware of nuances and to be aware of tone. And then there is just all the drama and all the stories. I think people sometimes have the idea that law is boring and law is just absolutely fascinating. Danielle, you're going to read some new work for us. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I'm going to read from some of my novel that I've been editing for a while and hopefully I'm almost there with it. The novel is set between Cork City and West Cork and the little snippet that I'm going to read is set around the marina. At the marina, ducks squatted prettily on the bank and swans made sweet ringed circles on the water. Children that reminded her of Peter and Jane from the ladybird books of her childhood whirred on scooters along leafy pavements. It was pleasant. It was not rough. Branching off this beauty were roads hosting industrial estates, warehouses, cold storage facilities, as if to say, right, that's enough loveliness, we've got a business to run. And then there was the graffiti that mushroomed overnight along the river walls. This was where she arranged to meet Luke Harkin. So that's from your forthcoming novel, Danielle, but you've ended here about Luke Harkin. Tell us a bit about him. Is is he going to be trouble? He is going to be trouble. Luke Harkin is a young man in his early 20s. The main character in my novel is a woman in her 40s. And Luke is the son of her dead friend and he comes back into my main character's life at a time when she has a lot of other pressures going on between her work and her private life and at a time when it's maybe the worst possible time for her past to come back and intrude on the present and it's about the decisions that she has to make and the consequences of some of those decisions. And that sounds fantastic. And I have to say, I think all novels should just have characters who are going to be troubled because what is the point otherwise? (laughs) Emer, you're not only a writer, you also co-edit Banshee magazine. So you get submissions not just from Cork, but from all over the country. And I'm just wondering, in terms of the work that you're getting in at the moment, has the success of the younger generation of Irish writers, particularly young Irish women writers like Sarah Baum and Sally Rooney, has that informed the kind of work that you're seeing in submissions now? I think so. Like, I think um, you're always going to get the kind of the universal themes, you know, about mortality and sexuality and, and that kind of thing. But I think what we're seeing now is a break away from the old kind of tropes and the old kind of traditional Irish story tropes. Um, and I definitely think the success of writers like Sally and Sarah have just maybe even empowered kind of young women writers and allowed them to kind of tell stories that are like close to their own lives and drill down into the small details of those lives. Um, Because I think like perhaps previously it would have been felt that the lives of young people or the lives of teenagers or 20 somethings wouldn't be literary enough, you know, to sustain a novel or even a short story. But I think now with the the popularity of those writers, I think um, people are just getting the confidence to write about it. And it's really interesting and fascinating. We're going to end with a short reading by Emer from one of her stories, Cold Cuts. Do you want to set it up for us, Emer? Cold Cuts is from the point of view of a woman named Orla who has emigrated to Boston after her marriage broke up and she's being visited by her teenage daughter, Jules, um, who's slightly estranged from her. 
And so in trying to make a connection with Jules, she's kind of reflecting on her own adolescence. In my mother's village, I worked at the deli, back when deli was an exotic word. There was the whirring blade that cut the meat, a vibrating, ungainly machine that I was inducted into with horror stories of truncated fingers. I remember those plastic gloves that pooled sweat, the sticky orange skin on the lumps of ham, the people who came in every day who seemed to live on corned beef, the small pay packets that I spent in the second-hand bookshop next door, on fear of flying, on the story of O, on forever, on Giovanni's room. The books were dog-eared, they fell open on their sex scenes. I read them under the covers, squirming, mind feverish. My small library disappeared from under my bed one day. I asked my mother where they'd gone, furious and mortified in equal measure. They're much too rough for a girl your age, was all she'd say. Ema Ryan ending on an important note of warning there. Books can get you into an awful lot of trouble. And Emer's website with samples of her work is emerryan.com and that's E-I-M-E-A-R for the many Emer's we have in Ireland. And Danielle's is daniellemclaughlin.ie. That's all there's time for tonight. Details of all the books we've mentioned are on the RTE Book Show page. You can follow the show on Twitter at BookshowRTE. Thanks to Emer Ryan and Danielle McLaughlin and to all our guests. And thanks also to producer Regan Hutchins. <laughs>